0: Black History Month, you find... Ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you oh. do with yours? What, which month is White History Month? <laughs> no, well, well, come on, tell me. Well, the, the, I'm Jewish. Okay, which I'm month ju- is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh, oh. Why not? Yeah. You want one? No, no. No, I, I, right, uh, right, I don't either i don't want a black history month black history is american history how are we going to get rid of racism and stop talking about it i'm going to stop calling you a white man yeah and i'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man i know you as mike wallace you know me as morgan freeman
1: Greetings and what's good, everybody? Welcome to the Christian Soldier Podcast, a social justice, faith-minded podcast featuring three friends from across the diaspora exploring life at the intersection of race, ethnicity, gender, culture, politics, and basically living while black. I'm Abdullah Muhammad.
0: I'm Andres Amador.
1: And we are just two POC, living life, loving Jesus, and fighting the good fight in these rough and tumble podcast streets. Soldiers, what's good and welcome back. Listen, y'all, we hope that y'all had a fruitful and productive and educational. Black History Month in the last couple of months. Um, It's been a lot happening. And I know, for example, I did. And we hope that you enjoyed the Black History Month collaboration with the Ambassador Podcast featuring Jared Cole and um, the the four-part episode with the two of us and Dr. Anthony Jones. And we had a great time discussing all things Black History locally and nationally and whatnot. And it was especially just a life-giving time to hang out with you know those two brothers and so so we're happy to be back but now now I'm back on the mic with my ace boom so <laughs>
0: drakes what's good man hey what's up man it's good to be back on the mic a little jealous where we you were spending some time with some other people but that's okay that's for another podcast <laughs> no it's good to be back uh it just seems like every time that uh, we step away for a little bit. There's a lot of stuff happening in the world and a lot of stuff that's happening in our communities and just gives you time to pause. And you got to say Uzzah, right. Uzzah, sometimes, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want to take yoga or something, so, meditation. Okay. Maybe.
1: Speaking of USA.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Are we talking about Will Smith? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs>
0: no, I couldn't resist it. No, well, I don't want to talk about Will Smith. Here, here I thought, here, here I thought we were gonna get past we, all that. We will the, the slap hurt when you around say
1: the woosah, world. I'm thinking about bad boys too, and Martin going "woosah." <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. You know my my crazy free association brain.
0: <laughs> yeah, it goes way too fast. Uh. No, we going to bypass Mr. Smith and Mr. Rock and Mrs. Uh, Pinkett, Pinkett. Pinkett Smith. Pinkett. Pinkett.
2: Yeah, we're just gonna skip all them, all, all, all of them y'all, all them.
1: <laughs> so, but, but but hold on, no. So now I know that we have a lot of content to cover in the episode, but we can't just jump in without talking about that Mike Wallace clip, right? That Morgan Freeman Mike Wallace clip. I
0: know we cannot, (laughs) because ironically, we just just came from a series of Black History Month. Here comes Mr. Morgan saying, "Uh, right, skip all that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the episode, yes, we're going to talk about kind of has to do with what he's trying to say, what he's saying. Actually, I'm sure we've referenced that. I think we have. I feel like in in this episode, we couldn't have gone this far. And now uh, talk about that clip. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. So it just, yeah, we would have to see if we did or not, but I'm pretty yes. sure that we have. So do you want to talk about that clip before our subject, pre-subject, or what you know well, about okay. the subject?
1: So <laughs> let's just start here and we'll reference the clip later in the episode. But so listeners, listen, that um, that was a clip from a 60 Minutes episode with Morgan Freeman and Mike Wallace, and they were talking about race, obviously. Now, that's just like a minute of their conversation. But again, relevant to the episode, so we'll cover more of that, of why we we posted that or put that clip in there. But the thing that I want to just talk about for a second is when you listen Mm -hmm. and watch the clip, did you catch how, like, Oh, what's the, I just said the guy's name. What's the guy's name? Not more graphic, the, Mike Wallace. <laughs> Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was shook.
0: Did you catch that? He was. He was. He was. He, he was like, "What? Well, yeah. well, no, I'm he, Jewish." <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I was going to. I've never noticed until I just heard that clip. And of course, we're going to put the, our clip in show notes. Is he didn't call himself white? He called himself yes. Jew. And we will we will do business and with I, that oh, later. Yes, because I was like interesting that's very interesting and it does have to do with what we're going to talk about later on in the in the episode so yes for the first time i mean i've seen this clip multiple times and it just right now caught my attention that he referred himself as two rather than white yeah he homie tried to pull a fast one (laughs) that was some slick willy right
1: there yeah didn't want his whole month though right right. he didn't he didn't Uh, 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 Hmm. uh, uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) all
0: right so uh well okay so kind of connecting what we were talking about with the clip and and our, our subject so our subject is something that that has popped on my radar as of uh recent uh just recently And for a bit of background, um, long-time listeners know that we are a little bit into music. Just a tiny bit. Just a skosh. You know, just... (laughs) um, And for me, I've mentioned on the podcast that I've been following uh, some country artists that happen to be Black. And, you know, country music being a predominantly white um, um, genre of music. Uh, Sorry, I keep interrupting you. But now didn't used to be. <clears throat> yes, I. Get, the yes. folks who invented, who
1: invented get, it were nah, black people. No.
0: Nah. <laughs> yes. Um. And and um. Like I I've been interested in the idea of black people in white spaces, as we say in the introduction. We're POCs in the cornfield. So at least for me, I'm interested in that topic that subject Uh, another thing that we've talked about is how at least from my perspective this younger generation doesn't care too much about our generations and previous generations labels Uh, it is my impression that they don't want their skin to dictate who they are for example you know like one of my sons has his hair
2: colored (laughs) And in our
0: time, twenty-two-year-old black guy with his hair all colored, we would have thought it was weird. Well, unless you're Dennis Rodman Dennis, or Cisco Dennis from Rodman. True Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go.
2: <laughs> see what I mean?
0: Yep. <laughs> you know, um, a generation later, that's like you see it all. You see it everywhere. You know what I mean? So it's it's stuff like that. Um, then, on Twitter, I heard about the work of Dr. Sheena Mason and the theory of Racelessness. And with the little that I know and 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 I'll put a caveat on this on this, I'm just beginning to learn about this. So I'm just a few steps ahead of i don't know, maybe most people I don't know, because I think this is relatively new. so but the thing is that it has helped me put some language about why am I interested so much about these country artists who happen to be black and this generation that doesn't seem and maybe that maybe maybe i'm just putting too much on it doesn't seem to care too much about labels at least the labels that we've from my, my generation maybe even before that have been seem to be interested in so we're talking to abdul about it and we just decided to make a podcast about it right Wanna hear? Here you go.
1: <laughs> so now, okay. So, listeners, as you as you can tell, when you clicked on the title, that, that it was called the, this episode is titled "The Theory of Racelessness," a.k.a. erasing blackness. So, provocative <laughs> title for sure. Um, and yeah, clickbait, click click just bait. just a little, but not actually really. So, but um, yeah. Funny thing though, when you talk about the the young people and the young generation, you know. So, a couple things, listeners. First, when you hear the, the the idea of the theory of racelessness, let me stop you right there because we're not we're not doing a hairpin turn into <laughs> into you know. Color of skin, content of character, land, and and uh, I, right. I, yeah, I feel
0: like we have to put a lot of right, and a lot of preamble lot of, right into this like, episode.
1: Like we're not going. <laughs> like wait a minute, like you know we're we're not going to. Well, I don't see color. We're not doing that, right? What, what <laughs> we're not going to do. We're not going to do that. Yeah, what we're not so, going to do right. Um, yeah, we're not going anywhere near those kind of tropes, but uh. <laughs> Right. And we'll get into this later. But, you know, as you were talking about the young people, I honestly don't agree really, the young people don't really have use for I'm gonna call it our current, let's say, racial lexicon. You know? Now there, you know, there's yeah, terms are terms are changing, identities are expanding, all of that kind of stuff. But um I do I don't think that they've somehow become post racial, right? And then and you know, and there are people who say, well, Well, when all the old folks die off, things will be better because the young folks kind of got us, you know, they got it taken care of and they're not, you know, they don't buy all those kind of things. But that's not really true, you know, Um, and there are there are several problematic things with how young people think about and discuss race now. And I mean, yeah, there's there, you know. Think about hearing your sons talk about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So they're not, and and I I know you're not saying that that, that young folks are post-racial, right? But they're not post-racial because think about the songs, you know, D is writing about George Floyd and that kind of stuff. Or think about, you know, how Mm -hmm. um, the racialized language that these, you know, young high school and 20 somethings are using. So, on the one hand, they don't really have a lot of purchase for our categories and our, you know, whatever. On the other hand, they're playing right into it in reinforcing the current narrative.
0: Right. And that's what I was going to say to to respond to what you were saying. and I, and I think, and it was something I'm going to mention later on, but I'll mention it now. It's like, I think we we talk and desire a post-racial. But our language is still stuck Mm -hmm. in the racial, so we don't have anything else to any. We have a desire that we don't have language for, so we go back to the old language to talk about a concept that's past race. Right? Does that make sense? It does. So I, so I think that's you know, if I'm hearing you right, I think that's why you're talking about if we're talking about the younger generation mm-hmm. that they might be saying something and they might tell me a desire, but they're using the same language. Right. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about that perhaps it's time for new language for what we're trying to say. Right.
1: Well, and I've said before, right. That, so like racism is a, it's a shape shifting organism, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it just, it, it don't die. It multiplies, you know? Right. And, right. and, It's just, it's with help from young folks and not, it's just shape-shifting and doing a bunch of different different weird things. And ironically, and this is kind of a, this is outside of the scope of this episode, but listeners, we're going to touch a few third rails in these next few episodes. Like there's a couple of things we, trust me, we have on on deck. Y'all might be like, okay, them fools done lost their mind, (laughs) you know, but One of the things that's happening now is this all of the language around like trans language and 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 um like all of the different language around you know I'm going to call them diverging gender identities all that stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. is making its way into the race conversation and and the, the, some of the language of the race conversation is making it w- its way over in, in, into that conversation too, and so you have this really kind of um, circular chicken and egg kind of thing, right. where each you know each group and each movement in their you know in their progression toward equality and equal humanity and equal human rights are using some of the same language and, and borrowing some of the same themes, and I would say to some extent. It obscures it, it, it obscures both I'll say movements for lack of a better word, you know, mm. it obscures both movements and I think actually kind of waters them down.
0: See, so you know, that's the thing too, that that I do agree that language is a major part of what's happening. Um and maybe there are people who who are looking for the new that but I've already mentioned that new vocabulary um so m- m- what i'm questioning is how much d- are we holding on to old vocabulary just because it's what we know right and we don't want to like for lack of a better word move on to the next thing right um but th- the thing too is is that with this subject and you talk about you know touching the third rail <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it, in my head, it's like a, a, a tightrope, tightrope walk. Mm-hmm.
2: It,
0: it's, it's cause it, here's my concern. You know, if, if some of our listeners go, Oh my gosh, they've lost their minds mm-hmm. it, because this kind of conversation can, can be used as a weapon also. And yes, very um, true. Um, I'm, I'm afraid I, I'm afraid that's going to end up being used as a weapon or at least a, an escape goat. It's, it's, I'm afraid it's not going to be used for its intended purpose, Right. which I think is at the very least worth discussing. I mean, it's it made it onto this podcast. I think the, at least it's, it's intellectually honest enough to have the discussion of what this theory is trying to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So break it down. What, what exactly yeah, okay. is the theory of racelessness, you know, like what is Dr. Sheena Mason saying and, and yeah, break that down for us.
0: Okay. So um, there's a video and it's in, going to be in the, in the, in the show notes where she talks about the core tenants. So let's, let's get to those. And there's six of them. Number one is that race does not exist in nature. Number two is race does not exist as a social construction. Number three is everyone is raceless. Uh, Number four, racism is the belief in race as biological or construction. Number five, racism is not everywhere. And it is not the cause for every perceived racial disparity or negative interaction. And number six, racism can be overcome.
2: Okay. So she also talks about
0: that ethnicity is real. And we've mentioned that in our podcast Mm -hmm. as well. So she describes herself as a racial skeptic. Yeah. She believes that race doesn't exist full stop. Okay. Right. She believes that there's no, oh, we acknowledge that it doesn't exist. But uh, if we have to talk about the construction of race, then we have to say that race exists. And she says, no, race doesn't exist. Right? Um, And then finally, from what I've gathered so far, that a lot of stuff gets assigned to racism that should be ethnicity, culture, or class, or a combination of all those things. uh, That basically racism is brought up in situations when it shouldn't okay mm-hmm. so my interest in that is is that's interesting because we like to say um that words matter right right so if it's not racism then what is it and you got to question it well is it racism so I, i'm very cu- curious about the this the subject yeah so what do you think about all that? I mean, cause that's, that's pretty, I mean, that's, I mean, that's heavy. It's heavy stuff. I, you know, it's, it's, it's very heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've heard some co- podcasts where, uh, Dr. Mason is on and I think she's getting better in explaining it, but it's still, it's still, it still requires some effort from the listener. It does. It, I, it, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. Yes. Now, cause I mean, and, and and to her credit, she doesn't confuse. She doesn't. Not, it's not confused. She doesn't equate racelessness with colorblindness. She doesn't. She doesn't go there at all. This is not. This is not. A, oh, I don't see color. No, 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 no. I want you to see color, and she has said that. Yeah. You know. And and the last thing before we get into this discussion is is that she acknowledges that a lot of people are focusing on the racelessness part, mm-hmm. and not on the theory. It's a theory of racelessness yes. is an, and also one more, one more thing is that this is not an answer to critical race theory. It's not right. a response to it. It's not even
1: part of critical
0: race theory. It's not even, it has it's nothing just, at all to do not, with CRT. It's not even in the universe of right. CRT. Right. It's a theory. It is like you, when we talked about the CRT episode, it is a way to describe a thing. Yeah. You notice something in nature. And she's put her academic work into it, and she's come up with a theory. Right, right. So
1: now, and so just so this this theory. So Dr. Sheena Mason, she is she is she's a, I think a newly minted PhD. I think yes. just in 2021. You know, it's fairly so, yes. Yeah. So she's a newly minted PhD in 2021, with, and she's teaching with, with, with yeah with distinction from Howard University. You know, yes. so I mean, academically, like she's ain't a slouch. Like she's not. You know, Mm -hmm. she came to play, you know, um, and she's now, and she's teaching at, uh, SUNY on, uh, SUNY Oneata in, in New York. And so, um, and her, her PhD, you know, her PhD, as I recall, her PhD is in, is in literature and she studied like, you know, um, um, uh, Creole languages and and I think Latin languages or whatever. So, so she's, you know, she's, she's a literature person by training, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and but as she was as she was studying all this like historical literature and the and the philosophical foundations of it she you know part of that has to do part of that overlaps with philosophy and and so she talks about that as she was reading the literature she was reading and as she was getting you know kind of into the thick of 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 some of the theoretical foundations of that, what she came across is so whether we know it or not, there are basically um, there's a philosophical theory that says that when people talk about and think about race, they basically fall into one or actually two of six categories and I won't list all those categories. I'll put them, you know, we'll put all that in the show notes, but there's six categories and people tend to fall in to, you know, two of those six. Right. Uh, and right. so the theory, so her, her six tenets of the theory of racelessness are direct kind of responses and correspondences to those six categories. So that's where those, the, so, so the six, the, the six things that Andres read, that's where that comes from. So, um, and like again, we've said last time on the podcast that we, as people who come to be called black or African American or from the diaspora, are just and other other people of color too, right? Are just trying to find places to exist outside of white supremacy. So, right, right. So, just simply put, the theory of racelessness is this: race is a social construct. So. Let's stop using all of the terms of the construct. It's just that. All of them. All of them. All of them. Right? <laughs> so, so instead of saying that race is a social construct and then continuing to have um, conversations that lead to internalized belief systems that are based on race that you want to not, not believe in, you don't do yourself any favors by running yourself in circles in that. So right. the theory of racism is let's abandon the entire construction.
0: Right. So for example, like in, in the way, if I'm understanding what she's saying, it's like when, when and we've said this in a podcast that at least I've said it, you know, that any racism is a white people's problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and I could see a lot of people especially people of color, just nodding their heads in agreement. Like, yeah, sure, blah, 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 But here's the thing that I've come to learn with this theory. It's just, we're still centering whiteness in that statement. Boom. Boom. <laughs> we're still, we say we want to get out of the construction by using words from of the construction. construction.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and listen, and, and listeners, that's why this is, like, this is, this is kind of, it's, it's not heady stuff. Well, right. I mean, okay, it's it it, it is kind of it heady. Is. It is kind of heady, but it's heady in the fact that it requires you to fully think about and engage with it. You know, it it requires you to not take any any shortcuts and whatever. It, it it requires you to do some long division. Right. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So so, and I like that. Now, listen though, while I like in general, I like where she's going with the theory of racism because you know I have been well, both of us have on a similar journey for quite a while, you know, like my workshops that I've been doing for years and years are called dismantling race. And, Uh you know, so like I said, Uh you know, we're going to be, um, we are in, in this episode and then the next few episodes, we're entering the territory of, 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 of being heterodox, you know? So we're entering the territory of we're not so, um, like the fear the, the of racism or, or whatever that is, you'll have people from the left and from the right attacking that. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, and so we're now, coming. The
0: fear is that it, it's probably going to be more from the left. I think so. I actually think so.
1: So, yes, but, but what, what I mean by us, you know, so for those of you who don't know this little fancy word heterodox, you know, it basically means just like, you're not conforming to the accepted um, dogma on a,
0: on a thing. Right. Yes. So, and that's overall, and this is going to be the episode. We're just going to keep bumping to each other. <laughs> but I like that I like because we've you and I talked about this. <laughs> Call it the Phil Collins example. <laughs> <yeah. We're laughs> you know old. what I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, so I'll use myself. You know, I could be listening to Phil Collins or you know some uh European or whatnot from our era Mm -hmm. and we're blasting it away we're singing along and you know but we're on the highway and then all of a sudden we get off the exit and we get to the red light or stop light (laughs) and we turn the volume down we turn the volume down just (laughs) because that's not yes you know that's not what people like us listen to (laughs) right now okay
1: so let's save that for the second half of the podcast because because I don't want to get into that oh
0: okay okay good
1: so, listen, that was all, you know, it wasn't really preamble, but it was explanation, theory of racelessness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all that. Now, I do have kind of some problems with the theory of racelessness. Okay. Okay. And I have, I put them in kind of three, th- there, there's three problems I have with it. All right. So the first problem I have with her theory of racelessness is that it doesn't provide a roadmap right so basically she says what to undo but doesn't give a rubric for replacing it you know so she she talks about yeah undoing it and not using the language of the construction but human nature being what it is we need something to replace it with and she's not you know, she hasn't provided any, you know, like, any real thing to replace it with, hasn't provided any, like, uh, so there's some useful language, like, you know, that people have been coming to use now as in people who have been, people who are uh, racialized white, people who are racialized black, right? But she doesn't offer any, um, like, policy, propose, like, proposed policy solutions or any... um like any accompanying social action, right? So that's the first thing I have. The first problem I have with the second problem I have with it.
0: Can I can I just talk to that yeah, for ahead. a second, just real quick? Um, to be to be fair, she has a book coming out, but it's coming out later in the year. Mm-hmm. You know her, and it's an academic book. So this subject being, you know, we keep calling it heady, but it's an academic book. So it's if you, I mean, you can buy it now in Amazon and I think it's still like over a hundred dollars because it's an academic book. Yeah. You know, the audience for this book or it was written for, it was for a university setting professors and that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's a roadmap there. There may not be, but just to give a little bit of benefit of, of the doubt. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Okay. There, there may be an answer. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But to be fair, her book comes out later this year. Okay. So, all right, well then we'll we'll I'll give that one with an asterisk.
1: And and, and maybe all the, all three of these are an asterisk, you know, if if mm-hmm. if it's a big long $100 book, hopefully it's detailed into into these things. So the second mm-hmm. the second problem I have with it is the theory is is overly philosophical. But but okay, basically what I mean is that it it can be it can be philosophical, but it lacks practicality. Mm. So, um, like, she doesn't address, for example, the real psychology behind why groups separate in the first place, you know? Like, that's a, like that's a real thing that she has to address. And so she doesn't, like, like, she wants to create, like, kind of a, you know, one of the things that she espouses is she wants to create a broader American identity mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and respect and honor culture and difference, but not fixate on it. Now I, now, I actually like that part, you know, but you have to also do business with the fact that, and I think she's naive in this point, is that she doesn't address basic human psychology and how we're wired to create in-groups and out-groups in the first place. And, you know, one one big in-group as as a national identity isn't going to cut it. That's not how people think. You know, mm-hmm. or, or 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 that's not how the brain works non-consciously. So the third, the third problem I have with it is because it's philosophical and because it's heady. It doesn't address the streets. You know, so what do you mean? So like what? It, 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 how are black folks on the corner, on the block, in their homes, in the you know, or even or the average. Non Ph.D. non-professorial black person going to take this. Like this is a this is a conversation. By and large, it seems like this is a a conversation for people people who are more bent toward that thing. Like you know, kind of the maybe the the, the Atlantic reading crowd or <laughs> you mm-hmm. know or whatever. Like this isn't a conversation yeah. for the block. You know, like, you know, I, I can hear like in my Charlie Murphy
0: voice and like, you know, fear <laughs> racistness, get out of here, you know? <laughs> so, no, but that's the thing though. I think, and I don't want to be an apologist for, uh-huh. for her. I mean, that's not, that's the, the, that's not the thing. I mean, my, my, my thing right now. And like I said, I'm just, I'm beginning like, look, I mean, you've asked me, actually, I still need to read. You sent me a, uh a uh, research paper (laughs) I still need to get around to read like oh my gosh so just
1: I am (laughs) I am I'm breaking Andres in into the the world
0: of of academic writing oh my gosh oh my goodness I mean I didn't have any level I mean any I didn't come anywhere near the level of the stuff that you read for political science but I've taken a you know upper Class political science, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do people do this? Well, and, you and guys see, here's read?
1: <laughs> here's why I like it, though. Here's why I like it because there are people like me who have, or just let's say the the average person, we all have opinions and perspectives, right? So everyone has an opinion, and and by and large, we have an opinion, and we think our opinion is a right and B, the only one, right? So <laughs> right, so there's that. But then you have um, you know, professional practitioners, you mm-hmm. know? And so over the last 25 plus years, I've developed a lot of practice wisdom. Now that anecdotal practice knowledge may not be statistically significant to prove the existence or lack of an existence of some, of some observation. Mm-hmm. So right. that's where the academic stuff comes in. Like you can have your opinion, but don't state your opinion as fact if you haven't tested the theory.
0: Right. And, and back to, and kind of coming to the the point of how is this going to be taken, you know, on the block. I don't think it's. I don't think. I would say that it's not there yet. It's not for the block. I don't think this conversation is for the block yet. I think this, this is still an academic exercise. Yeah. And, and I think that's how it should start. I think this should go into the market of free market of ideas and let's see how this shakes out. See how it plays out. Yeah. You know, how it plays
2: out. Um, I think on the block,
0: though, let's see if let's play a little bit of devil's advocate. I think it's going to be a very hard pill to swallow. And that's and that's where the challenge is going to be. Right, because ironically enough, like we've been saying on this podcast, hey, you have to give up whiteness. But this is saying, ultimately, you got to give up like blackness. you and I. You got to give up blackness, right? And that's not going to play well on the block.
1: And that's, so I said three, but that's the fourth. That's that's in my notes. That's the fourth problem I have with it. That 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 exactly one. That exact one right there, because we are we are now there's a reason for this following statement but we are deeply deeply black folks we are deeply invested in our blackness now mm-hmm. in my opinion there's two reasons for that one is because so you Andres being Puerto Rican you are deeply invested in your Puerto Ricanness now that right. deep investment comes with a landmass and a people and a place
0: Yes,
1: <laughs> we are deeply invested in our blackness because it's to some right, racelessness, racial. It's all we've got. It's all you got, right? So you take away
0: take away black, you have to deal with American, right?
1: And <laughs> and American is being American is complicated. We've said before, and so mm-hmm. so that's the problem I have with it, and. And, you know, and I think I've said before, jokingly, but, you know, half, half serious and more than half serious is you can have my blackness when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. (laughs) Uh, See, and that's, you know, and that's the problem on the block.
0: But it's not, it's, I understand what you're saying when when you use the word problem. Yeah. But what you're describing is identity. And we've talked about this podcast plenty of time about identity. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one to give up.
1: Yeah, and to her credit, so Dr. Mason does on on what I've listened to her say on, on some on a, you know, because in preparation for this, I listened to a bunch of different things with her explaining this theory. Um, and to her credit, she actually does go there a little bit, but for me, the jury's still out on whether or not she goes there because she because she has to deal with that. She has to address that one. You know, she does talk a little bit about one of the things I heard about her own work, kind of. shedding herself of, of, of blackness because, and she says, and, and you just said this too. And I think, and I think both of you are right. Basically to be invested in blackness is still participating in white supremacy.
0: Yeah. Because blackness, I mean, that whole idea of blackness, I'm black and I'm proud and black is beautiful and all those terms. Those are a reaction to bingo. It's trauma. That's exactly it is, right. It is, it is the result of trauma. And, and we're back to what we talked about with uh, Respa. Um, I'm blanking out his last oh, name.
1: Oh, Respa
0: You know, because I think that is something that we do need to talk about in this whole conversation is the trauma aspect of all that as well. Because there's trauma on both sides. But, you know, she comes, she was, you know, she got her doctorate from Howard A historically black university why are there black universities in the united states because they weren't allowed to go into the white ones Mm -hmm. so you have to create your own system you have to create your own culture why is there a black church you weren't allowed to go into the white church right so it all it all waterfalls from there right so you create an identity around all that but it's born out of trauma out of you know, in our faith tradition, out of sin, out of just mm-hmm. evil, right? So you have to do the best that you can with what you have, right? So now <laughs> you're being told, or not being told, but the suggestion of if we truly want to eliminate this thing that you want so bad, mm-hmm. racism, mm-hmm. we have to get out of the race conversation. You do all of all of it. And all of its construction, and
1: that's the thing you know, like i you know i i've I've been operating in that reality for for a lot of years now, you know, um like for example even kind of new school Tanahashi coach would say, um and other the kind of others of that ilk would say that racism created race, you know um mm-hmm. and so and so even part of my work, you know, my my work in 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 my workshops on on undoing racism, is so. First off, to undo racism, and then you know, there's for example a cl- now a classic documentary um, called "Race: The Power of an Illusion," and mm-hmm. the narrator says, "To address racism, you must first take account of race." Right, and so mm-hmm. and so I extend that and say, "Listen, well, we have to not only take account of race, but." Realize what it is, what it does, how it operates, and some strategies to undo it, so that we can then deal with the real three thousand pound gorilla, which is racism. Mm-hmm. Right. So because that's the the real enemy isn't race. The real enemy is racism. Right. So so what she talks about is like this this um, uh, what does she call it? The belief in the unicorn of race.
0: well that was me to be (laughs) that wasn't her that's how i translate racism the way she talks about it no no, she says it she she used the word unicorn i actually heard it because oh maybe it was in my subconscious i know when we were preparing notes i put that in the notes i thought it was
1: yours too and i'm thinking okay wait a minute um oh okay because at first i was like well i don't really i don't know if i agree with the unicorn analogy but but just today just today, as I'm listening to a thing with her, uh-huh. she said, and I'll send you, the, send you this thing. She's, oh, she yeah. calls it
0: the unicorn of race. Oh, how interesting is that? And and the way that I was saying it's just like unicorn is something that doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So is it's, for her, racism is just the belief in something that doesn't exist,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is racism. Right. And so, uh, Which is race. I'm sorry, race. Race. Race, race yeah. is the unicorn that doesn't exist. And when you believe in it, blah, 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 blah. Right. so yeah
1: so how do we how do we live so see see how smart you are dog
0: man should be a, <laughs> she put a phd I know. behind my name i'm, <laughs> first, I'm door, phd, PhD. <laughs> no but the thing is too one thing that she does mention is also that a lot of the race and racism the way we the, the way it's been talked about for decades and we mentioned it a little bit earlier but it's still centered on whiteness it is yeah that the whole conversation is still centered on whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that was that was that was very interesting to me to hear. Because I don't know, I don't know if we've talked about that. Maybe you've you know like just known it instinctively. Instinctively? I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Making a word. Okay, take back, take back my PhD. <laughs> No,
1: like there. So oh. we we actually have. To, so we've we've mentioned it kind of in passing and part of other conversations. But we have talked right. about that. You know.
0: Yeah. See. Yeah. See. I think. I think we've talked about a lot of this. But like you said, it's. I think it's been in passing. Mm-hmm. So, I think maybe what's attractive to me about her work so far is just that, at least for me, it's putting some connection to some of the dots that we've been talking about on the episode. Because I, I think what we advocate in this podcast and other folks advocate as well is just the idea of getting to stop talking about race. Yes. You know, and like you were talking about, and I don't know if, this in, if, if it's going to be in her book, but what does that world look like then? Right? right. So, so right now, at the very least, we're in this stage of
2: being aware of our incompetence. Right? We're aware that. Oh, the conscious incompetence.
1: The, yeah. The, so second, now I'm the consciously second of the four think, phases of learning.
0: Yeah. Right. So now I'm consciously incompetent in the idea of how do, how do I construct my words now so I'm not playing the game of phrase anymore? Mm-hmm. Which goes back to the Morgan Freeman clip where he was talking about you. Don't call me black and I won't call you white. Right. And here's here's where I get scared when we start thinking that way. Because you can easily hear the word sellout mm-hmm. in that conversation. Right. If we're talking about the block, right. that's the first word. That's the first word that's gonna come out. Well, and here's <laughs> but but here's why
1: though. So I think part of this, and this is this is the other part of the 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 why I think we attach ourselves so hard to blackness right um the first part I mentioned before is we've got nothing else to attach ourselves to or we think we don't
0: well well so uh, yes, so the second thing <laughs> right that we
1: do the second thing is that we have we have come to in in many ways think of ourselves as like John McWhorter calls this um. As being a noble, the noble victim, you know, kind of the noble victim uh-huh. mentality in our community. Uh-huh. Now, uh-huh. I don't know if he coined that phrase or whatever, but that, that's where I learned it. So, uh-huh. um, and that's the other thing. And so, and so the noble, and the noble victim, I think, has to think and move and talk about, you know, race as, and racism as something that happened to us that we're overcoming and whatever. And yeah, so I, I would love to, not just not talk about race and racism, and, and you know. But what I would love to do is just go, like you know. And Andres, you know this. So just you don't, you may not know this. When I started my um, career as an entrepreneur, one of the you know what what I started doing was was business consulting and business coaching because I have a pretty good amount of business experience, business savvy. I've produced at a high level on some things. And so, you know, the and, and and I've run, you know, I've run successful businesses and you know, done really cool things with them. Now, the interesting thing is that when folks pay for my services, for whatever reason, even though I have produced to a level that employers can't duplicate Without someone who has a different level of skill that they don't have, i.e. me, (laughs) you know, and others and people, other people, but they don't want to hear that from me. They want me to be the race guy. Yeah. You know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's like, I I think I've said this before too. It's like um, Pacino and Godfather three, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. You know, so what I would love for us to be able to do is not be the noble victim to, and, 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 and to have, you know, this is where I love the theory of racelessness. Let's stop, not only let's stop using the language of the construction, let's go do something else. Let's go produce art and beauty and, and, and businesses and wealth and other work that has absolutely nothing to do with our struggle real or perceived though it may be. Right. Every other culture gets to do that. And I think right. at some point every other culture chooses to do that. Now, mm-hmm. here's another heterodox point. We don't choose it because we're too fragile.
2: Uh oh. Shit. Uh-oh.
1: I think and this is gonna be one of our future episodes, soldiers. <laughs> we gonna be talking about some black fragility up in here. Uh, oh boy. So, you know, like I just, (laughs) I think I'm gonna leave that one there. But yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna leave that one there.
0: We can go on a tangent on that one. Yeah. Um. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. You may have to give maybe a a little, a few steps ahead of black fragility because it comes from the idea like there's the Dr. Robin D'Angelo book, White Fragility, Mm -hmm. and then. So, okay, okay, yeah. So you here's what I mean. A, li- a little teaser, a little teaser on what,
1: what do you mean by that? A little teaser. So, and Robin Angel's book over the last couple of years has gotten a lot of criticism, especially from, from black folks, right? Yes, so, it has. Yes, it has. But, but the basic premise is white fragility is people who have been racialized as white have really a lot of distress is produced around issues of race and they don't know how to deal with it. And so there are a few things that they do like projecting and obfuscating and white women's tears and all that kind of stuff. Now the irony. Yes. <laughs> now I think that black folks are fragile around the issue of race. Black folks are fragile in some ways too. For instance, when we talk about police brutality and I know that that's a huge Ooh. problem. Right. Mm -mm. Right. Right. Yes. Right. But and, and I think I have I have said this myself. And if I have and you remember this, I actually apologize. And we're learning and we're growing. We're different people than we were a year and two years ago. So. Right. But even though police brutality is a massive problem. It does not happen to the majority of black people. Message. And it does not happen like you can't. That doesn't happen overall when you put class into it. I was just going to say that. When you put class into it, many of the victims, now I'm going to find some data on this. Many of the victims of police brutality are not middle-class black folks. Yet us mm-hmm. middle-class black folks talk about things like, well, you know, I, I can't go out and my boys and my kids or whatever, whatever. And and some of that is true. And I have been a victim of not police brutality, but police profiling. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're that's fragile right. in that we can't handle that conversation without being mad about, you know, when somebody thinks differently from the herd. Message. So, yes. um, that's one area that we're fragile, you know. Um, and I'll save the rest of the areas for the episode exactly. on black fragility. But that's what I mean. Like we we don't know how to handle distress around being critical of race, you know. So we're doing liner notes, right?
0: Are we? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I got something for liner notes. All right. So I, you know, with the with the subject at hand.
1: <laughs> so listeners, listen. Soldiers, it's 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 been a while. We we kind of rusty, but that's okay. So liner notes is the part of our show where we talk about, you know, something that's giving us life. So um, a book, a movie, a piece of art, cultures, family, whatever it is. What's in 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 the struggle, in the fight, how do you get a reprieve? And what gives you joy in life? So go ahead, bro. All
2: right, for me, <laughs> now
0: we are big fans of uh, John Mayer. Yes, for a long are. time, and he recently put out a recording. I can't call them albums. I mean, you know, CD or no. tape recording. We call them recording. We call them albums. Oh, we call them albums. <laughs> All right, <laughs> call it what it is. Um, it's uh. It's called uh, sop, sop Rock. Sop Rock, yeah. Well, that, Sob rock. That re- that's like six, eight months ago. It's not recent anymore. Well, <laughs> <laughs> latest, the latest recording. And I recently discovered, okay, there's a song in there called Last Train Home, which is great. The whole thing of the whole vibe of the album is in, it's the 80s. If you're right. an 80s baby, the sound, the keyboards, even the way the, the, the cover the, the art are- sounds-
1: yeah, <laughs> it, looks like 80s, it, it looks like an old it looks, like Steve Winwood record or something. Right,
0: you know what I mean? I love it. It's great. Uh, I mean, Mayer puts out good music, but I, I, I haven't listened to one of his albums top to bottom in a long time. And I did the day it came out. It was, and it was great. I always liked the song called Last Train Home.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it reminds, reminds me of uh, Eric Clapton a lot. But then I discovered that he put a ballad version of the song. Yes, he did. Last yes, he did. And oh my goodness! I mean, if the record, if the album was '80s, I mean, this ballad just took me all the way back to the '80s. I mean, the sound. I mean, if you close your eyes, I'm I'm, you know, I'm eight nine whatever years old listening to this. You know, the way it was produced, I wouldn't be surprised if it was if, if it was using old '80s equipment. To record it, I mean, because it was, it's. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, um, I, you know, because it just sounds so authentic in, in 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 the way. I mean, if 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 you're into Mayor, well, if you're into Mayor, I'm sure you've heard this song by now. But it, I mean, it stopped me in my tracks. Mm, okay, when, I, when when I heard it, I was, you know, I've, I, I, can't, I wouldn't be surprised if. By the end of the year, when Spotify tells me all the songs that I've listened to, that if that's not my number one most listened song, because, uh, yeah, it just, it, I don't know, it, it just puts me, it, it does what great music does. You know, it, it puts you in a mood uh, and also, you know, once you hit a certain age, <laughs> can put you back in an era. It can put you back in a, in a place and for me, I don't know where it puts me really, but it just, at the very least, emotionally speaking, it's, it puts me in a good place, actually. I really, I mean, when we talk about giving life, I really, really enjoyed the ballad. Yeah. I like both versions. I love Last Train Home as it's on the record, but the ballad version of it, I mean, I wish, I mean, we've had this conversation about, of if you would pay an artist to play one song, if you were to go and see an artist, and they will. They could only play one song. Which song would that be, and what artist would that be? You know, I mean, that's so for you. It's Mayer, last, so John Mayer's is last. Mayer, last mayor Mayer's home? got a strong catalog. You know, there's a lot of songs yeah. that you know I could just pay for. But this song is a contender. I mean, for me, this song is in the conversation. Okay. So okay, yeah, I, so, I I
1: can I can hear that. I can hear so that.
0: So John Mayer, John okay. Mayer, Last Train Home, the Ballad. Version. I mean both versions, but I'm spe- specifically talking about the ballad version. All right, bet. Okay, so so watch so, your lighter
1: note. So for me, um, why don't you talk about your kids again? L- look, bro. <laughs> look, can a brother love his kids?
0: <laughs> I saw my daughter tonight doing uh, taekwondo. Uh-huh. It was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I could talk about that. Could be my next lighter note. See, but anyway. That was cool. Anyway, see, I didn't see my daughter
1: tonight. My daughter's in Kansas City. Oh, I miss my daughter. (laughs) So, here's the thing for me, what's giving me life right now actually just happened last night. Well, I've been watching it off and on for the last, I don't know, month or so. But you know how big of a Muhammad Ali fan I am. Yes, I do. (laughs) So, yeah, so just champ is like my guy. So, um, there's a documentary uh, on Netflix about Muhammad Ali, and so yeah, I've, I've been absorbing that, and then watching some of the old. And I, this was this was a, was a lineup before when I discovered old Ali fights on ESPN Plus, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you know, so um, I've been kind of you know just kind of going back and immersing myself in some Muhammad Ali stuff, and you know, like watching um. One night in Miami, the Regina King movie, where it's a fictional account of the night that Ali won the fight. I gotta fight. watch that, dude. Li- yes, do yourself a favor and watch that movie. It's
0: it's. I missed uh, the other Regina Hill, song, Regina, Regina King. Hey, wait, King. Yes. So yeah, so she got another movie out in on Netflix. Or she got a movie on Netflix that yeah, I want to watch too.
1: Yeah, she's turned into a kind of a kind of a savage. So yeah, um, yeah the the Muhammad Ali documentary is. What's giving me life.
0: All right. So let's get back to our discussion with uh, a topic that I think most of our audience is not familiar with. And it's something called the black card. <laughs> and, and no, it's not the American Express one. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's the definition from urban dictionary. Did you know there's such a thing as urban dictionary? So. All right. So here's the black card. I love this definition. I never thought about it this way, but <laughs> okay. The black card, Urban Dictionary, an imaginary card that all black people are born with and that mixed people have to earn that is constantly under threat of being revoked if said black person does not act black enough or in proper black ways. <laughs> uh... <laughs> There's a there's a card game based on that idea called Black Card Revoke.
1: Yes, it is. And I saw it at Target. I don't know why I didn't buy the dang thing, but next time I have buy it. it. Oh, you I got it? it? Yeah. Oh word. We, okay, we're playing it.
0: So this weekend. So, <laughs> so you know, according to its site, it's uh the the game is a fun and nostalgia filled game celebrating American black popular culture. So I had a question about that. You know, like what does it mean to be black? Right? And what happens when you're the exception to that rule, like the Cosby show, which had its criticism when it was running Mm -hmm. Obama, (laughs) you know, like what does it mean to be black anyway? What does it mean to be black? What does it mean to be black to you? Right. So, okay. And, 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 and the whole idea about the, the, the black card and, you know, what's, what's being black. And, yes. you know, we've talked about when we listen to Phil Collins and we have to turn it down when we come to a, a, a stoplight, because that's not what you're supposed to be listening to mm-hmm. when you're black.
1: <laughs> so, okay. Firstly,
0: the. Firstly, is that a word?
1: I think We're it is. We're making up words tonight? I think it is. I, <laughs> okay. I think it's a word. I don't know. All right. I look it up. All it's right. a word. But the, the, the Cosby show thing. The Cosby Show thing was a is a great example of black fragility. Oh, <laughs> it's it's a great <laughs> it's a gr- we got sounds y'all we got sounds we got sound, sounds I got some like, new gear we we're, playing with. we're moving on up <laughs> so but <laughs> like the Jefferson <laughs> <laughs> here's why because it's it's a great example of how of how we as black people think about blackness as some like, like essential thing. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to call it black essentialism. And part of what black essentialism says is that everything is about the struggle. Everything is about the come up. Everything is about the moving on up, like you just said. But, you know, everything Uh is about like, and so, and so if you show, if you show positive black folks. And I know Bill Cosby is persona non grata right now, but what we're not going to do, let's go back to the eighties. What we're not going to do for those of you who have snowflake tendencies is I'm not canceling Bill Cosby's work. What he did, Mm. what he did was despicable. Yes. And he did it over decades. Yeah. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this creative guy who put something out in the world that, that that showed us as Beautiful, not traumatized, and not not preoccupied with blackness. True. Yeah. So, yep. I'm just gonna say that about Cosby Show. So right. And oh, by the way, we love Lisa Bonet. I mean, let's just keep it real. Let's just keep it very real. We love some Lisa Bonet with her fine self. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, but, so. But the funny thing about the, the the losing the black card though is that the things you can lose it for, right? Now, I have lost my black card plenty of times. You for, have oh for oh gosh, listen, I when I was a freshman on campus, I lost my black card for being by myself. But huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just for being a loner? Oh, for not wanting to be in the group. Bingo. Yes. Yes. I remember I remember. Yeah, I was in that campus too. <laughs> I'm walking,
1: I'm walking on campus, got my headphones in, doing my thing. And oh, you're
0: too good. Oh, you're too good.
1: I will never forget that. Oh, but you, and, and, and if you don't if you don't speak and you don't nod, oh, oh yeah. Oh, black no. card's coming out. No, you had to nod back yes. in the 90s. Yes. And in, in that campus. You had yes. to. Yes. Yeah, give me the black card. So But, but, and then, and then like you, like you mentioned, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm blasting, okay, there's a song called, you get what you give by the presidents of the United States. Remember that song? You know about that? I love that song. (laughs) This conversation would get my black card revoked. (laughs) Yes, it would. Right? So, Uh, but the funny thing about losing uh, a black card is that, is the things you can lose it for? And they change over time.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, like like we're talking about, Andres and I both love the 80s. We both love 80s Europop. I have a whole 80s Europop playlist that I listen to almost daily. And I add to it all the time. So, now, here's the thing. We would lose our black card for that, right? Mm -hmm. Never mind the fact that the evolution of hip-hop and the culture grew with and alongside Europop.
0: Yes, I mean- the history of hip-hop goes through Blondie. Thank you. Thank you. It goes through the Beastie Boys. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was like, you you know, like think about those old school five, Fab Five Freddy and Blondie and those, you know, hanging out, whatever. So, the history of hip-hop goes through Eurotechno pop. It goes through punk, you know. I mean, Planet Rock was a sample of a German band called Kraftwerk, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't even Mm -hmm. in English. Falco's Amadeus. We love that song. Right. That, listen, Amadeus was a hip hop staple when it came out. You know, now the only words in English, which aren't English at all, are Amadeus, Amadeus. Oh, 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 Amadeus. And then he says, come and rock me, Amadeus. Everything else is in German. (laughs) Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so. So it leads me to ask: Like, would Africa Bambata would Cool Herc, would Hank Shockley, would Grandmaster Flash, and them lose their black car for that? Mm. No,
0: mm. no. What about Kanye? Okay, now I was just gonna—I was just gonna say Kanye. Yay will lose his, his car is- for
1: other stuff. <laughs> you know, like this fool, <laughs> and, he, and he has this fool called Donald Trump, Superman. You losing a car for that. <laughs> so, but but and and now, don't even don't even get me started. So, I know we're talking about the black car stuff, but I'm going to talk about a, a, a little bit since we mentioned Kanye. I got to mention this really quick appropriation and you know, like talking about the the Kardashians making a billion dollars off fetishizing the black girl booty. Oh
2: snap! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. don't act like it ain't real. Hey, Hey.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) now, so all of that stuff, right. And, And, and we've talked about all that in, 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 well, not the Kanye, the, the Kardashian part, but, but you know, this whole thing about black card, right? It is. So blackness is a moving target. And mm-hmm. it, and and it moves because the herd moves, and you right. know you know what it is when you're with the herd, right? And but, what
0: mm-hmm. is not blackness is right. back to Kanye a little bit. Uh, did you watch the his three part the three part documentary? Seen it's really good. Actually, I do recommend it. I think I've seen the first, I, maybe the first episode. I recommend it. The first, the first two are great because it's the come up. Okay, yeah, okay, it's great. know, and then the last part is what we known Kanye for losing his black card. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, let's give credit also to Kanye, because he's also in this I call like free thought, you know, free, you know, trying to get away from the herd mentality. That's, exactly, that's his thing.
1: Yes, it that's, is. That's
0: what he's trying to say. It is. It really you know, is. I'm not, I'm not trying to be with the herd. I'm trying to think outside of the herd. Mm-hmm. And so and and his ego is big enough that he can just say stuff. Right. <laughs> that many some no, other a good point. Some some of us are thinking. And he can get away with it because he's gotten that reputation. Mm-hmm. But his main thing, I believe, outside of I do believe there's some mental health problems in there.
1: Oh, that but, fool, crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but well, we don't want to laugh at crazy, or you
1: know, no, no. But we don't want to laugh at mental health. We'll we laugh at crazy. Laugh at <laughs> <laughs> I'll laugh at crazy all day. <laughs> I'm not gonna laugh at mental health, but, but I'll laugh at I'll laugh at crazy.
0: Yeah, but. I think what he's trying to say, and I think he, he's, he's actually said it. It's like, I don't want to be part of the herd. I don't want to be locked in to what I'm supposed to do. You know, he talked about the way he, you know, the way he dressed, you know, like I want to be the best dressed hip hop artist. Mm -hmm. You know, he said that in the documentary, you know, he's trying to get away from the herd mentality. So to his credit, you know, that's where he mixes a lot of stuff that he comes up with. And I think a lot of that genius that he has, I think he is a genius comes from. It's just that idea of, I don't want to be locked into anything. Well, and let's think about that. So, because on the
1: one hand, the herd can provide protection, mm-hmm. you know? So like the, 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 the popular herd. Right. But um, we have a really curious way of lifting up people who deviate from the herd and become great and they become great. Mm-hmm specifically because they had the courage to deviate from the herd and try to make the world they saw in their head come to life, whether it was Mm -hmm. in science or mathematics or art or music or whatever it was. So on the one hand, while I'm calling that fool crazy, you know, (laughs) I do, (laughs) I do actually respect when people go their own lane and and right. and i i have actually and i'm i'm ashamed to say it but i'm i'm coming out of it myself right now um i have i have not said things that i know to be true and i've held back and i've held back because not because i wanted people to like me um because i don't really i'm not really that's not my you know not my thing but but i've not said it or said some things because, you know, I don't want folks just like, you know, starting to come cancel and all that kind of stuff. Right. Because, mm-hmm. because then the whole cancel culture apparatus begins to kick in and, and, and whatnot. But, but um, yeah, they're like, just, just as a, for instance, you know, um, and, and this isn't about me, this is about my son. So one of my sons the other day, he and his friends were, uh, they're they're planning a you know kind of an event, and 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 it's kind of a, a multi-identity thing, but it's specifically around blackness, and um, one of the one of the folks who is trans, one of the trans friends said something, and and, and they wanted to make the whole event about like trans rights, right? Now that's other that's another event. Now, mm. it, it, it can be the same event if, if that's what it started out to be. So as it's morphing and changing, people are like, well, we should be doing this too and this and this and this and this. And my son was like, well, yeah, I agree. Let's do that. But not in this because that's not what we said this was. <laughs> and what happened? Mm-hmm. A person was in their feelings and called mm-hmm. him, well, you're being transphobic. So it's not transphobic when I don't, when I don't agree with you, I'm not, I'm not denying your humanity when I disagree with you. Right. I'm simply yeah, saying perhaps. I don't agree. And in some cases, some folks don't understand and it's not, and it's not for them to understand. Right. But it's not, you're not denying someone's humanity when you don't agree and when you don't understand. Right. Now that's where the yeah. left will come from us.
0: And that's that's a whole that's a
1: whole other thing. Podcast. <laughs> and we're that's going so. there. Yeah. So yep.
0: all right. This was quite the episode. I loved it. I love the conversation. Um hope it's a door that opens up and we just keep uh, taking steps further along the line um and and see where we land. So anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> what did we learn from this episode?
1: <laughs> it reminds me of Veggie Tales. So, what we have learned applies to our lives today.
0: <laughs> you know, the thing—the thing with this is like Albert Albert Einstein is known for saying, "Question everything." And I think I, that's what I love about this. It's it's going to question identity, which is the biggest thing about us. You know, it's questioning worldview, right? Um, and I um I'm attracted
2: to that idea and I, I encourage our racially white friends to uh question everything and also our uh BIPIC
0: or BIPOC. Um, BIPOC, BIPOC, yeah. BIPOC um friends as well to question everything. Uh, the questioning doesn't mean that Uh, doesn't mean anything. It's just, you're just asking a question and then you land at the answer. Right. You know, so, and and I like the idea of of this theory of racelessness because what it's demanding of me. Uh, So I want to, at the very least for myself, I want to keep thinking about this and exploring this further. So that's, that's, here's where I'm encouraged about this conversation because we talked about this earlier this year about and we go questioning if we wanted to bring back the podcast because we didn't want to talk about these issues that are going to deal with our mental health. Mm-hmm. And I like this because at
2: least for me, it offers hope uh, that here's a way to release some uh, uh,
0: suffering and stress about the issue of race. So it's it's encouraging for me. Um so I look that's why I look forward to thinking a little bit more about this conversation and now I'm gonna be when we talk about some of these issues like are we talking about it from should we be talking about this from a cultural uh uh ethnicity uh
2: class um point of view rather than just
0: race you know right so that's what I've learned um about about this and and um I'm um, I want to challenge all of us
2: to think about this, but don't use it. Don't,
0: don't be lazy in this either. This is not, this is not, I hope this doesn't become a bumper sticker. This is way more than that. And it should be taken at least the idea of it. At least the intent should be taken um, serious. And um, yeah, that's, that's what
2: I'm, I'm getting out from this. Uh, conversation How about you?
1: So I would well, okay, I'm getting a couple of things out of the conversation, and then I would say there's a there's maybe a thing thing or two that I would have um that that I would have listeners kind of take away from this. so um, yeah, what I'm getting out of the conversation really is clarity around some things that I've been processing for quite a long time and right. beginning to kind of develop some language for and um, so I like the idea of like that theory of racelessness. racelessness. I like it insofar at it, as, it, as it calls us to abandon all of, all of the language and the trappings of the construction, because all of it causes harm. The fact that we are black we've come to be called black and racialized as black and that we have reappropriated that to mean something good and beautiful and righteous still comes from trauma, still causes harm. And, And what I can hear differently than maybe I have in the past is that just because I made something beautiful out of it doesn't mean that it is less traumatic and harmful. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: So I'm 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 thinking that it was about, necessary like we yes. would take in mental health it was necessary for the time. Right. Maybe now is the time to be thankful for it and maybe it's time to start letting it go.
1: Right. So yeah, maybe. So so I am I I appreciate that part about it. Now, the takeaway, listeners, the takeaway for me or from me for you, is this.
2: Understand and be willing and be open to nuance,
1: to depth, and most importantly, to evolution. Like, be open to the fact that people grow and change and develop over time. If you are the same person today that you were two years ago, you're simply doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so understand that we are all, you know, like one of my favorite songs is a lyric. We are all broken, bent into painful shapes. Mm. And so, um, what I want you to take away from this conversation is that this is one and evolving conversation and you right. are catching us in an evolution. Right. You know, and, and, and um, what we have to do in that is just allow for self-determination, allow for everyone to evolve on their own terms. Now, I say that, and while I say that, and this is a conversation for another podcast, but I have to say it in this, in, in, in this breath Because one of the things that some of us do to others of us is that we want to evolve ourselves and allow ourselves to have self-determination, but we don't want other people to do that for themselves. And so let's just be respectful of all of that, even when we disagree. Right. And so just allow folks to grow, allow folks to develop, allow folks to change, and allow for disagreement. I still believe in James Baldwin when he says, you know, we can disagree as long as your disagreement doesn't result in my oppression, you know, and, and, and I know we're wrapping up, but another thing that's coming, that's coming to mind that I wanted to say earlier is that one of the things that we talk about is in, in black fragility is the
2: fact that we've all been oppressed. This is not 1960 anymore, all Right. right? There have been some things that have happened to us,
1: but does it doesn't equal that level of oppression. I have had right. some things happen to me in my life. Very, very few of them. I would use that word oppression phenomenally carefully. So I'm rambling. Just allow people to grow, allow people to change, allow people to evolve, allow people to ask questions, and hear each other's heart. That's the big problem. We've lost the the
2: ability to hear each other's heart.
0: Right. Yeah, because where, like two years ago, <laughs> what would what would have been our response to this theory of racelessness? Oh,
1: I'm coming in like Chuck D. <laughs> you
0: know what I mean? Right. I'm right, coming so in like, oh,
1: see, this is the, she done,
0: see. That's what we're talking about. They got about, to yeah. her. She's, she's, she, she of mm-hmm. them. So at the very least, we can listen to what she's saying. Yes. Now and be like, hmm, okay. Yes. So. Reminds me of an
1: old George Michael album, Listen Without Prejudice. Oh, my goodness. You're just bringing out all the- I told you. Free
0: association. everything. Just, wow. It's how my my crazy mind works. Uh, Poor George. He he did want it to get out of the wham. Okay. Now it's rambling time. All right. right, Let's wrap it up. All right, y'all. Soldiers, we
1: out. Well, that does it for us for now. As always- If you like the show and the content, please like, subscribe, share, um, hit us up on all the, on, on the socials, on the gram at, at Christian. So where are we now? See, I forgot all that stuff. You know where to hit us up. Link's going to be in the show notes. Yeah, we rusty, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, if you're encouraged by, by what we're offering today, we hope that you are blessed by it. Um. And if you have questions about anything anything we we covered on the show, or if you have topics you want us to discuss, or you just want to reach out and be like, hey, you said this, what's good with that? <laughs> you know? Then hit us up, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Christian Soldier, and then hello at christiansoldier.com. That's what it is. Now, so next time, y'all, uh, thanks for listening. I'm Abdullah. I'm Andres. And for our friend Justine, who's coming back, we don't know when... Until next time, y'all,
0: keep the faith. Peace. Boss. The Christian Soldier Podcast is brought to you by the Christian Soldier Collective, a jesus Center community dedicated to the pursuit of unity, cultural and ethnic conciliation, and social justice within the church. The theme song is The Ace by Ballpoint. The Christian Soldier Podcast is a production of the Christian Soldier Collective and Monarch Training and Development.